Get Ripple, the bright new drink with that ring-a-ding flavor, Ripple. Ice-cold Ripple is the new drink for lively people. It's the wine that winks back at you. You want a drink? Sure. Go for is it. Is that one mine? Yes. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I have treats for you as well. Oh, I like treats. Okay. Treats are my favorite. Hopefully something I can eat, that kind of treat. I have a sweet yes. treat. Sea salt butterscotch caramels from Trader Joe's. I haven't been to Trader Joe's in so long. Well, I didn't go either. These were a gift. Oh. Have you tried these yet? Um, do you see that the bags are half empty? Oh, I actually didn't even notice. <laughs> you snack on those. Mm-hmm. I'm trying not to eat in front of the microphone. So we have sea salt butterscotch caramels. Delicious. Mm-hmm. And the others are chili garlic cashews yum which are so good and the combination of the two like if you go back and forth are really delicious we're also drinking a red sangria with like a super cool like kind of skeleton dancing on it from la catrina winery i guess Okay, it's like a Dia de los Muertos. Totally. It says, flowing from 3,000-year-old traditions, the Day of the Dead celebration reflects on memories and reminds us all to embrace life now. As the flavors and sensations of La Catrina engulf you, let your past and future merge to toast this moment. Wait, is it supposed to be about like Hurricane Katrina? Because that's kind of dark. Oh, I don't think so. And I oh, okay. No, I think it's... Because it was like engulf you, you know? Well, there's reasons I chose this. Because of the verbiage as well as the We're talking about image. dead people today. Well, um, we're supposed to be talking about medical oddities from West Virginia. Oh, yeah, that's Remember? right. Yeah. Uh, so tonight's story is going to be pretty darn close to that theme okay I, I might have taken some um artist liberties creative liberties yeah that was the term sure all right i'm um, down I'm i feel fair. like we also need to tell people where we are right now because this is the first time recording in our new studio it might sound really weird we're gonna have to listen back because maybe it's i don't know it might be kind of echoey you think maybe can we check I mean, do you really come to us for sound quality? No. If you do, you need to learn some more about podcasts. Or content quality. If you do, you need to learn more about podcasts. (laughs) We are strictly here for entertainment value only. But you won't have to listen to any advertisements. As a listener recently pointed out to us, I really like the Ripple podcast. I don't have to listen to advertisements. (laughs) Well, thanks. Oh, man. That's great. Um, I have a funny little story to tell you um, because I normally don't have very exciting stories mm-hmm. because my life is not all that exciting. But yesterday, mm-hmm. I was throwing some trash away at like our outdoor trash can, kind of where I park my car. Okay. And for those of you that don't know where I live, I kind of live like out on a like a rural-ish area, and it's there's a lot of dirt and trees and rocks and stuff. It's not like in a like a neighborhood and I was walking to the trash can and I lift the lid it's really hot it's getting hotter I was wearing like a little summery dress that was long and kind of flowy 
This is Rosa, by the way, because you won't ever hear those words out of my mouth. <laughs> Wearing a summer dress that's long and flowy. No, that's never going to happen. It's super cute. It was on sale at Target. Unless I'm going to a funeral, and even then, probably no, not going to happen. It was really pretty. And I step on like some pieces of wood that are out there because it's kind of rural. And I feel like something on my feet because I'm wearing, you know, flip-flops. And I can't, I look down and I don't really see anything because my dress is kind of blowing and it's, you know, covering my feet. Okay. And then I feel this thing again. Oh, God. (laughs) You stepped on a snail. If I stepped on a snail, I would have heard a crunch. A slug. No, there was no squish. I didn't step on anything but wood. But when I stepped on that wood... Something came out from under the wood, Wrap. wrapped around my Centipede. foot and leg. Oh my god! Like double wrapped me. It was an effing snake wrapped around my leg. What? Why? Why did? Why would it do that? Okay, so really good question because I'm not really sure. That's not typical snake behavior. It definitely wasn't a rattlesnake oh. because it it um there was no rattle. And I screamed like bloody murder. We have newish neighbors, and I'm sure they thought like, "Oh God, what did we move next to? Some psychopath." I screamed because it scared me. I'm not afraid of snakes. I used to have a seven foot boa constrictor as a pet, but when it goes up your leg for no reason, it's scary. So I kick my foot off. The snake goes flying. I don't even know where because I kind of wanted to see it to see what it was. And I never found it. Wait, that's crazy that it actually, like, came off when you kicked. It it wasn't, like, a super, like, old snake. I don't think it wasn't, like, real fat. It was more, like, how how big is this around? Here? I don't know, like an inch. Okay, so it was, like, an inch around. And I, I don't even know how long it was because I didn't that's see. insane. But it either, I don't know, spit or threw up or shit on my leg because there was this like trail of like white oh my god that's so gross around my leg that is so gross Mm -hmm. okay two things one your neighbors if you ever get stabbed murdered anything like that they're not coming to help you no second thing is i think that there's like okay have you heard like of a whip snake or Mm -mm. wind whip something like that I remember hearing about this a couple years back because I saw something similar to that when I was at work and like I had startled the snake and it like super fast went up a tree like super super fast. That's just their like, instinct? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to look that up. In fact, it's kind of crazy that you mentioned that because just today I saw a coworker, which I hardly ever see and she mentioned to me that she saw a snake while she was out on the, in the orchards mm-hmm. and it was the same sort of thing she said it like whipped up the tree like super super fast and she said she immediately screamed it's so embarrassing I yeah. feel like like the stereotypical like girl. girly girl mm-hmm. and I'm not that I mean not whatever if you're afraid of snakes you're afraid of snakes but well, that's a lot more common than being afraid of snails. I'm if there was a snail that I stepped on it, absolutely. That's typical for me to scream. Like that's yeah, that's what just I do. Gross. Ugh, those are disgusting. But no, it was it was crazy. So are whip snakes local to us? Apparently, apparently, I don't even know if that's what they're called. I'm gonna have to look it up. But I do remember. Shoot, that's gonna bug me now. Okay, maybe for our last thought in a shot, I'll figure out what kind of snake that was. Okay. Okay. But that was my funny story for oh, you. Oh, that's that's crazy because I see 
like rattlesnakes occasionally, mostly mm-hmm. gopher snakes. Mm-hmm. In fact, I saw one just the other day. Like it's it's that time of year; they're all coming out, mm-hmm. and they're it hatching. was but it was just kind of like inching its way across the road. And it I was like problem. doing its thing. We, I mean, we freak we we encourage gopher snakes around here, um, and even rattlesnakes if they're far enough away from the home or in the animals. We the animals. We, and what did I say? You said if they're far enough away from the home or in the animals. <laughs> and the animals, then we just let them be. Mm. You know, they, they help with rodent control and stuff. I think they're territorial, though. So look at me with all the snake facts that I don't know if I actually know. But I think if you have rattlesnakes, then they, like, scare away the gopher snakes. Oh. Yeah. I might be totally making that up. Well, it sounded really good. That should be the name of this podcast. I'm totally making that up. I might be making that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good good, good name. Um, speaking of this podcast, we're the Ripple Podcast. And I'm Rosa. And I'm Angela. And I have caramel in my mouth right now. And we tell fun, strange, unusual stories. And we like to tell you what happened after that story, which is where the name of our podcast comes from, The Ripple. We just have fun, we drink, we tell stories, and I'm going to tell you guys a story right now. Why don't you do it? So there's a good chance this is going to be a two-parter because it is pretty long and in-depth. I'm going to give you some sources. Okay. So we've got wvrgecord.com, postgazette.com, thedaonline.com, an episode of Snapped, an episode of True Crime Garage. Really? The entire book, Playing With Fire, which was eight plus hours long. Oh, so you listened to it. Oh, yeah. I didn't read it. (laughs) I listened to it, and I listened to it on a 1.6 speed did you really mm-hmm. <laughs> so I got it done in about six hours perfect and then um the usfa.fema.gov website what okay that's not that's giving me like a, a wide variety of what you could potentially be talking about because you're talking about medical oddities but then you're talking about true crime mm-hmm. and then you're talking about FEMA mm-hmm. oh okay and snapped and snapped yep well that's true crime I uh, think true yeah it's people when they lose it they snapped. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's a lot of characters in this story. Is characters oh the right word? Like when it's true? They're characters, right? Um, I don't think so. I think characters are fake people, but I think I get it. Players. Participants. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people in this story. Okay. So I'm going to try to give you a little background and just I mean a lot of this first episode here is going to be kind of setting the scene and you getting to know the characters we're okay not even really going to be getting into the crazy crime part until the very end of this episode all right so I'm going to tell you about this girl named Shelly Michael she was born on January 29th 1972 and her name at the time was Michelle Goots okay we're getting really in depth oh yeah okay oh just wait all right. I'm building the scene. I'm building the the momentum here. So her parents' names are Michael and Kathy. Jesus, her, her parents? Okay. Just wait. Okay. Her sorry. grandparents. Stop. <laughs> what? Really? <laughs> yes. Her grandparents came from Italy. Do I need to draw out a family tree? You might. Do you have um, a whiteboard, something, a dry erase marker? With some strings connecting the dots? Mm-hmm. Some red push pins. Okay. Her grandparents came from Italy and settled in West Virginia. 
She was raised in a very conservative religious family. Shelly's mom, Kathy, got pregnant at 18 and soon thereafter got married to Michael. And this I had to put in there because I thought it was so funny. They got married in the Immaculate Conception Catholic Church. Oh, wow. And she was pregnant at the time. Oh, just cracks me that's up. pretty great. <laughs> a couple years later, the new parents had another daughter who they named Jennifer and then later had their third child, a boy named Matthew. The parents make, um, worked a lot just to make ends meet, and the girls had many babysitters and nannies helping raise them. Oh, that's convenient. Seriously. When Shelly was in kindergarten, she made friends with a little girl named Renee. I'm starting at her, her early education Jesus. here. Wow, this is Shelly's like, entire biography. Okay. Well, I did a lot of research. It better be important. Absolutely. What was her teacher's name? Um, Mrs. Garza. Okay. The two girls were instant best friends, and they were even baptized on the same day. They continued school together for years. Um, they always like went to Catholic school. It was, you know, wearing uniforms and pretty strict. Her Shelley's parents were even like crazy strict. They had really early curfews, and Shelley's mom was known as the disciplinarian of the family. At nine years old, Shelley started cheerleading. And her mom was like kind of the one that pushed her to compete and practice cheer. I think she was kind of like living through her daughter. Yeah. Like maybe she never was a cheerleader or didn't have that opportunity. So she really pushed Shelly to, to do this. That's annoying. It, it, it's like, what is that? Like cheer moms, right? It's not, or dance, dance moms is moms. what I'm thinking of. Yeah. yeah. That's, or pageant moms. Totally the same thing. So Shelly didn't really mind though because she loved cheering so much. But she did mention that she was disappointed when her dad didn't come to watch because he was too busy working. That's kind of sad. When Shelly was 13, she tried out for the high school cheer squad with her best friend, Renee. And a requirement to make the squad was to be able to do like a back handspring. Jesus. Can you do a back handspring? Hell no. Can you do a cartwheel? Yes. I tested this recently. I may have been a little bit drunk, but I did it. How did you do? I, I, it was amazing. You would not believe your eyes. It was so good. It was so great. I was doing it one-handed, forwards, backwards. Were you really one-handed? No, I was drunk. I don't oh. know what I was doing. Oh, but you were doing cartwheels. I think, maybe. I may have been doing somersaults. <laughs> Who knows? It's a mystery. I don't, I can't remember the last time I did a cartwheel. But I used, as far as I ever got was a cartwheel, um, what are those called? Round oh, off. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. And I never could get my back Where handspring. You like rotate and because both legs come down together. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, which are pretty easy. But I, you're supposed to be able. Well, not supposed to, but like for cheer and stuff, you're supposed to be able to do like a round off and then launches you into a back handspring. I don't even know what a back handspring is. Mm, it's like a back flip, but you, you push on the ground with your hands to push you up. Oh, okay. I mean, that's kind of cool. I just yeah, could never do it. I mean, it. I appreciate it. Totally. I loved the movie Cheer until I found out what happened afterwards. Oh, the... the Talk about the ripple. The Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with, what's that guy's name? He was my favorite, too. Was, he was everyone's favorite. I don't remember. But you know. You yeah. know the guy. That guy. He did some bad stuff. Yeah. Real bad stuff. Bummer. But I also really loved the mo- the Bring It On movies. Oh, yeah. Those Super are fun. fun. So she um, works for weeks and weeks and weeks, and her mom helps her, and she finally masters this back handspring, and she makes the squad with Renee. Yay! This better be important. Totally. 
Shelly was also a really good student, um, and she was on the competitive cheer squad. She got straight A's. She ran track. She played basketball. She's on the swim team. She was um, the National Honor Society prep team. She was on yearbook. She was on key club. She was in the Spanish club. She was an ASB. Shelly's a liar. She managed the student store. No, she didn't. Do you want to know what I did? I went inside the student store. And bought cookies for 50 cents? bought cookies that were half-baked. Yes, I had those cookies. The best cookies in the world. Yeah, no, I don't believe her. There's no way one person can do that many things. You just simply do not have enough time. She did it. And she was also voted most likely to succeed. She sounds annoying. She graduated as saluted. I can't even say that word, let alone was I it. That wasn't even a real <laughs> sentence. Salutatorian? Salutatorian. Is that how you say it? I don't remember. Because there's valid Victorian, who's like the number one. Salutatorian. She's number two. Sure. Uh-huh. So she was just like perfect, pretty much. Ugh. And she was nice, apparently. She was friends with everyone. That's what they say about... Oh, she died, didn't she? She also loved... That's what they say about dead people. <laughs> She also loved being the center of attention um, and excelling at like all of these activities gave her that attention that she like totally needed. Her parents, again, were really strict and she didn't they didn't let her call boys. They, the boys had to call her. Uh, she wasn't allowed to date. But when she was 14, she went to this Italian heritage festival and got totally smashed and when I read this I'm like oh Angela and I have been to like many Italian Catholic festival type things yeah and they have box wine boxes and boxes of box wine yeah and there's more than one time when we've been drunk Mm -hmm. okay well at this festival she got drunk on vodka and orange juice that's not the Italian festival that we went to that is what I said I'm like not at all what kind of Italian heritage festival is that I think that we are the reason that they now check IDs at the Catholic church where we used to drink the box wine. And not only do they check IDs, but they have like a bartender serving yeah. you. So you can't like take... You can't put your head under the nozzle anymore. <laughs> or take like your giant water bottle and, and fill it up of fill wine. And just up. They give you like little eight ounce They're like sippers. little pill uh, cups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. I think we ruined that for everyone. Oh, sorry. So she's totally smashed, and someone brings her home and bring her in the house, and her parents, of course, ground her. And as punishment, she has to work with her dad helping him build their new home because their dad's, like, building this house for them. And I'm like, well, maybe she should have been helping them in the first place. Like, you know, I don't know. That was just my thought. So by 16, her parents are like, oh, she's still getting all these really good grades, and, you know, she's only messed up once. So let's buy her a black Ford GT at 16. And her and Renee um, get in the car and they drive around and they ditch school and they go to their boyfriend's school and they drink wine coolers, which, I mean, she's 16. That's kind of normal behavior. She's acting like a normal teenager, I feel like. Okay. But... She was always, like, sticking to her ingrained morals, and she would never have sex with any of her boyfriends. Pretty respectable. Sure. So it's time for the girls to apply for college. And they both apply to the same schools together, and they end up going to West Virginia University. 
and Shelly is going to major in pre-pharmacy. She's again um, wanting to cheer and she's just kind of missing having that experience and she's kind of known for doing back handsprings across the football fields and her and Renee are making bunches of friends. Shelly's doing well with her school but after her first year in college she decides that pre-pharmacy actually isn't for her and she changed her, her major to nursing. By 20 years old Shelly is still going to school. She's working. She's dating an Air Force Reserve guy named Bruce Atkins, and she gets pregnant. And she tells her roommate and best friend Renee, and Renee's like totally shocked. She said that she didn't even know Shelly had been dating anyone and had never met Bruce before she finds out that she's pregnant. Mm. And the reason I'm kind of saying that part is because I feel like Shelly's probably pretty good at hiding things. Oh, if okay. she's able to hide, you know, a, a boyfriend and a serious, pregnancy from yeah. your best friend and, and roommate. roommate. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. So Shelly was also scared at how her parents would react when she would tell them. And she tells them they're, of course, you know, kind of upset. But they're like, OK, fine, let's let's fix this and marry this guy, Rob. I thought it was Bruce. Let's marry this guy named Bruce. <laughs> See, I'm paying attention. You're totally paying attention. I wrote it on my whiteboard. Why did I put Rob? Okay. Well, she, um, they demand that she marries this guy named Bruce. Um, but after they meet Bruce, they're like, mm, maybe you don't need to get married. Oh. Yeah. I guess he was like a tool. Okay. So Shelly, she has this baby. She names him Alec. And she's living with Bruce for quite a while in some apartment. They're still together, but like they didn't get married. That's Um, probably for the best. But then they break up a little bit later. Yeah. So Shelly's mom comes to help with the baby so Shelly can continue going to school. Because remember, she's going to nursing school. Yeah. So baby Alec, when he's just seven months old, Shelly decides to try out for the WVU cheer team. She had a baby seven months ago. Yeah. She's like, mm, I'm going to try out for a university cheer squad. I hate her. Yeah. Um, and this is apparently like the dream team. Like she wants to be on the squad so badly. So Shelly, of course, makes the team. And her mom and baby Alec come to every game to root her on. She's continuing with her nursing program. And she decides to add um, an emphasis on pediatrics. Oh, cool. Around this time, she meets this guy named Rob Angus. That's where I got the name from. Okay. They start dating and quickly get engaged, but there's some definite red flags that come up with this relationship. I guess uh, Shelly gets pregnant with Rob and Rob demands her to get an abortion. Oh, yikes. He is drinking like profusely. Um, Shelly goes she's like she's not on like I'm gonna compare this to varsity and junior varsity okay so she's not on the varsity squad but she's on JV it's like second string totally and Uh they only cheer for home games oh okay so she doesn't really which is kind of good because she's got the baby and so she doesn't really have to like travel out of town or anything sure and they're cheering at some home game and she I guess is hanging out with the the football people and everybody and they she starts drinking and she says she blacks out and wakes up with this guy having sex with her. Ew. And she says she never reported it because 
she almost felt guilt, like maybe she she drank so much and allowed it. Right. Yeah. That's where the whole like, um, what's it? Yes, don't have sex until you hear yes type thing. Consent. Like, yeah. Well, there's that. <laughs> Is that we talked about consent? Because it was before, like, oh, I'm not gonna have sex with you if you're saying no. Well, sometimes people are too drunk and they can't actually say no. So until you hear the words yes, then you shouldn't be having sex. And I kind but of maybe she thought because some people are like this, where they can be blackout drunk and you don't know it. Like, they're just running on autopilot. Oh, totally. I've, yeah, so maybe I've she been felt that, that way where, like, she doesn't know what she said, so she has that guilt, and she was like, well, oh, maybe totally. I did agree to it. Maybe I, yeah, which is super, like, unfortunate. It's and really sad that, she, yeah. The whole she, thing is a mess, but. Well, totally. By the way, I'm not defending date rape or whatever. Absolutely I'm just, not, but you're seeing her side of it. Yeah, that's why, why she, she might feel it. guilty. Mm-hmm. Totally. So after that experience, she was like, I'm done with cheer. She she mm. finished off that season and didn't go for the cheer squad again. Wait. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, did she have the abortion? Like, what happened she there? She did. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So she marries Rob and Rob... Wait, she... What? Mm-hmm. That's Why? what I'm saying. There was a lot of red flags, but she still went with it. Okay. I guess she felt like because Rob loved Alex so much that he would be a good dad. Mm. And she said, like, oh, I'll, I'll eventually fall in love with him. Oh, yikes. And even, like, on her wedding day, like, she says she remembers walking down the aisle and saying to herself, I'll fall in love with this guy. I'll mm. eventually love him. Bummer. So he is nice to Alec. He adopts Alec as his own son, but that's not enough. I'm sorry. Uh, later on, she does get pregnant again. And she has a baby girl named Kylie. Um, After she has her baby, Kylie, she goes back to school one week later. Like, she's just like a beast. She, you know, tries out for the cheer squad seven months after having the first baby. She has another one. She's back at school. Um, She still has one year left before she graduates as a registered nurse, as well as with a minor in child development. So she's, I mean, just pushing, pushing, pushing. Renee comes to visit for the first time and meet the two kids and her new husband and she hears all about Shelly's new job that she had just got at the pediatric NICU and Shelly's just loving her new job. She's working at this place called Ruby Memorial Hospital um, and she also loves flirting with the staff working there. Oh, yikes. So she'd walk through the halls and she'd come up and like do a high kick right in front of somebody. Oh, I'd hate that. Or she don't do that. Do a back handspring down the hallways. That's not no. Stop it. This is a hospital. <laughs> uh, she meets this coworker that she really liked flirting with, named Jimmy Michael, and they would often spend time in the break room just watching football games and NASCAR. Um. And a little bit about Jimmy. He grew up in a very religious home as well. And both his grandfather and father were pastors. Jimmy was known as trying to be like a really good Christian himself. He was a good student as well, but could never physically keep up with his older brother, who was like this natural athlete. Jimmy was like kind of a bigger guy. A lot of people referred to him as a twat, as a teddy bear. As a twat. As a twatty bear. <laughs> And he was like 220 pounds and 
just was, you know, big. He he just, that was his physique. Okay. And um, he was always really self-conscious about his weight. But he was really funny and super kind, and he made friends with everyone he met. He actually went to school to become a respiratory therapist, and he got a job at Ruby Memorial Hospital where he meets this girl named Stephanie. Okay. Jimmy and Stephanie get engaged after she gets pregnant. (laughs) They got married in a secret wedding where Jimmy's father married them. When they did the real wedding with, like, the white dress and everything, Stephanie can't get her dress all the way up, can't get it zipped all the way tight. she's so pregnant. Because she's, like, got a belly. And her parents find out that... That's how they find out? mm -hmm, They find out that she's pregnant and that she had gotten married already and they decide like oh screw this we How hate this guy um probably in their 20s oh really mm-hmm. huh. so they hate jimmy and they hate his parents for having like a secret wedding where they weren't included mm. so stephanie and jimmy they have this little boy named andrew they call him drew and they both continued to work at the hospital and jimmy was still going to school and he was getting a degree in chemistry he also planned to go to med school, but he found out that Stephanie had like racked up a ton of credit card debt and there was no money to put him through school, which is a super bummer. When am I going to find out why I need to know so much about all of these people? It'll get there. Because it's a lot of detail. It is. It's a lot. But just keep listening. I'm telling you a story here. Okay. So Stephanie would say that there were times when Jimmy would lose his temper and one Uh-oh. time he like he pinched her or what? <laughs> I know it's not a little name. Titty twister? He pinched her during an argument and one time he like threw a shoe at a wall. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um they later had a daughter named Jenna Catherine and they called her JC. But shortly after that they split up with the help of Shelly Angus. Uh-oh. So Shelly and Jimmy, they're bonding over their, like, failing marriages. She's probably doing some splits in front of them and a few backflips here and there. Some back walkovers and, yeah. Crab walking down the hallway. <laughs> That's, like, the creepiest thing, watching someone crab walk. <laughs> they like to watch TV in the break room. They're just chatting about how much they don't like their spouse anymore. Fun times. And Shelly's like, oh, hey, did you know I was a cheerleader? Let me teach you some <laughs> cheer moves. So she starts teaching Jimmy some, like, stunting stuff that they practice together at the hospital. And she teaches him how to, like, hold her up over his head and then toss her in the air and catch her. And they like to show that off to and people. And where is, like, human resources or anybody with, like, any sort of authority about, like, Anything? Anything? With Shelly's like constant flirting and touching and, and everything. Grab assing around in the break room. Yeah. So Jimmy and Shelly obviously start having an affair and they're keeping it secret from their coworkers, but a bunch of people are like suspecting that something is going on. Oh, I can't imagine. And their spouses are kind of like figuring it out too. And one time, um, There's this phone call at Jimmy's house, and Stephanie answers, and no one is on the other line. Creepy. And, but I guess it, like... Is he here breathing? Well, I don't know if she heard anything, but it was, like, 
you know, you can see the phone number. So she writes the phone number down. Wait, what year is this? I'm like in the 90s. Oh, they had caller ID. I guess. Huh. Okay. And she doesn't recognize this number. But then she goes to this like friend and coworker at her job. And she's like, hey, do you recognize this number? Like it called my house and no one was there. And it was just super weird. And she's like looking through this friend's phone book. And she sees that it was Shelly. Uh-oh. So Shelly spent the night at Jimmy's house this one time when Stephanie was out of town and Rob was actually outside with a video camera and records her like doing the walk of shame. Oh, I love that. Um, That's so great. But Jimmy and Shelley, they're still like, oh, no, we're not having an affair. We're just friends. Everything's too super cool. Shortly thereafter, Stephanie's like, I'm out. She leaves Jimmy and Shelley and Rob split up. And Renee, the best friend from kindergarten, she comes to West Virginia to help Shelly move her stuff out of the house. And this is the first time that she hears about Jimmy. And she's like, well, that's weird that, you know, you never mentioned this guy before. Like, you're super good friends with him. But Shelly, again, doesn't say anything about the affair. She just says, like, oh, it's this guy that I've been hanging out with. And he's going through divorce. And I'm going through divorce. So we have, like, this mutual thing in common. Shelly and Jimmy soon introduce their kids to each other and then they introduce each other to their parents and Shelly is at Jimmy's house and he's she's looking around and getting a tour and she's really impressed when she meets the parents. I guess they have like this really fancy house on a hill with a pool Oh, she scored. Well, and she's like, this is fantastic. But Jimmy's dad had built it himself. Like, he worked really hard. He, you know, did it piece by piece. But it was just really fancy. Okay. And Shelly was like, oh, there's money here. So when meeting the parents for the first time, Shelly says to the dad, quote, why don't you just go ahead and give us the inheritance now? Oh, wow. Uh Uh-huh. Wow. Was that supposed to be a joke? uh, Not a very tasteful one. that would be awkward. And he responds with, well, I'm spending Jimmy's inheritance. Well, good. Good for him. Yay. That's like the perfect comeback. I know. So good. So Shelly and Jimmy, they move in together and then get engaged. And Stephanie and Rob start dating. Oh, wife swap. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's fun. I mean, sure. It's a little come up after a divorce. <laughs> Stephanie, Shelly, and Rob are still working together at oh, Ruby Memorial Hospital. Oh, how awkward. And Shelly often would like taunt Stephanie about her new relationship with her ex-husband and how she was just going to take the kids away from her. And Shelly and Jimmy, they get married. And at, right then, Shelly's like, okay, you're done talking with Stephanie. You cannot talk with her anymore. If you need to communicate with her, it's going to go through me. Wait, who? Okay. So one of the wife swaps decided that the ex-husband could no longer talk to the ex-wife. Correct. Even though they have two children Why? together. Because she just wants to be in charge and, I guess, know what's being said at all times. Hmm. So Stephanie and Rob, they eventually break up. That's the exes that were dating each other. Okay. And well, I mean, they're both exes that were dating each other. Well, but yeah. Yeah. The, that. Sure. <laughs> and because 
that Stephanie and Jimmy, because, you know, they're all sharing custody of the kids and, you know, there's the four of them and then the four kids and they all live so close together and work with each other. Um, the kids are bouncing around between the sets of houses. So sometimes there's four kids at one house. Sometimes there's two kids at a house. Okay. And they're just going all over the place. Sounds complicated. Super. Um, But Shelly had this image in her mind that she wanted to show to everyone. Like that they were the perfect, most put together family. She got the beautiful house, the fancy clothes, a nice car. She's volunteering in classrooms and attending church together every Sunday. And she even gets this like personalized license plate that says six pack on it to prove that they were the perfect six pack family. Jimmy's coaching Alec and Drew's football team and Rob Angus, the Mm ex-husband, he's um, also one of the co-coaches. Because he's the dad, right? Right. He's the other dad of the other two kids. Oh, okay. So the two husbands, so Shelly's ex-husband and her current husband, are both coaching football together. Okay, well, that's nice, I guess. Super. Yeah, I guess they got along really well while on the field, and they just kind of... Kind of creepy, but all right. Yeah. Uh-huh, but I mean, sure. big of them. And then Shelly, she becomes the coach for Kylie and JC's cheer squad. And then they meet this couple named Bobby and Kelly Teets. What? Bobby Teets? Bobby Teets. Is he a cartoon character? (laughs) And Kelly Teets. Oh, okay. They have a son named Tyler, and Tyler is playing on the football team. Tyler Teets. And did it say Teets on the back of his football jersey? Big Teets and little Teets. Oh, I love it. Okay. The two couples become fast best friends. They're like, this is super cool. I really like you. I'm getting along with you. And. Yeah. So Jimmy soon thereafter, he like quits working at the hospital and he begins working at a pharmacy. He is delivering medical supplies um, and giving respiratory therapy to patients. And he is his goal is to learn this business really well and then eventually buy it when the current owners sell. And Shelly, all of a sudden, she's like, I want to go back to school and get my master's degree in nursing. And Jimmy's like, well, okay, but we don't have a lot of money, so I'll get a second job to pay for your education. Wow. Mm-hmm. Shelly and Jimmy still are attending Bible studies together each week. They were attending Bible study? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Yeah, but Shelly shows up in, like, shorty shorts and crop tops. Weird. And before they go in to pray, she's doing her high kicks and backhand oh, springs. knock it off. So she would so just be like clothesline her while she's back springing down the hall that would be so annoying and how uncomfortable like you're a woman with technically four children now like put on some clothes and stop oh I don't know she just sounds annoying Mm -hmm. she sounds really annoying is she the one who gets stabbed maybe what does that mean I mean I don't know so Jimmy and Shelly, um, they buy this new home, and it's closer to the hospital and the kids' school. 
And then even though Jimmy was working two jobs and Shelly is going to school and only working 20 hours a week, they somehow, you know, make this work. Shelly's sister, Jennifer, she is pregnant now with her third baby, and she had recently come out as a lesbian. Oh, that's fun. (laughs) She informed Shelly that she was moving in with her girlfriend, and Shelly just lost it. She believed that Stephanie would go to hell because of her homosexuality. She's literally a homewrecker. She's not only a homewrecker. Um, she had an affair with a married man. And she had an abortion, didn't she? I mean, I have, I'm not judging, but like... But she's judging. Yeah. No, I, I have that on here as well. Yeah. She's had an affair with a married man. She had an abortion. She flirts with people all the time. She dresses provocatively... But yeah, her sister can't be a lesbian. Oh, and I really Jimmy, hate her more and more all the time. <laughs> Jimmy kind of supports that decision, and she bans the children, or he bans the children from seeing their aunt. Jimmy seems whipped. Shelley's parents, however, they're like, okay, if you want to be a lesbian, be a lesbian. Okay. So nine months later, after this new baby is born, Shelley and Jimmy, they're like, okay, let's kind of put this back a little bit, and we'll go to the baptism of Jennifer's new daughter. You shouldn't even be invited. <clears throat> yeah, seriously, good point. Jennifer's girlfriend was there, and Shelly just stared her down the entire time that the baptism was going on. At the end of the service, they go outside, and Shelly starts yelling at Jamie, that's the girlfriend, uh-huh. and attacks her. What a psycho. Jimmy has to come and break the two girls up from fighting. So a few months later, Jimmy, he's talking to this friend of his, and he's like, hey, weird thing. I get this package in the mail, and it's one of Shelly's sweaters. And inside of it, there's a note that says, keep your whore wife away from my husband. (laughs) Like, what do you think of that? And Jimmy didn't know who sent it. He didn't know who the whore well I guess he knew who the whore yeah, was I think he didn't we all know knew who that. the husband was and he just wasn't sure what to do and he tells his friend that one time but then never ever brought it up again and the friend just kind of dropped it weird and then Shelly soon thereafter she becomes a pediatric nurse practitioner and she gets this position at Ruby Memorial. That's actually pretty impressive. It is. That's that's not an easy thing to no, do. No, definitely not. You're like writing prescriptions and stuff at that point. But she requests to work just three 10-hour shifts a week instead of like a full-time position. That would be kind of nice, actually. Three 10-hour shifts? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I would think, that, but you're not full-time at that point. Right. You'd have to do four tens to be full-time. No, and she, but she doesn't want to go full-time. That's kind of the point of requesting for the three tens. Huh. Um, and the guy, like her person scheduling her is like, okay, we'll, we'll try it out for a little bit, but we're trying to build onto this hospital to make it a bigger facility, and we'll just kind of play it by ear. So she's responsible for 10 critically ill patients. And then after six weeks of this three 10-hour shifts, she asked just to work for part-time. Um, I'm sorry, not part-time. She works, asked to work half-time. So like oh, two geez. shifts. Okay, wow. And, you know, she'd gone to all this schooling and everything. Yeah. She's recently graduated. 
And she's like, uh, I don't really want to do this. Yeah. And I, that seems like a, a career that you couldn't, I wouldn't think that up. a part time nurse practitioner would be a thing, but I don't know. I mean, I don't maybe know anything about the medical field. Find someone to split with, like someone else that wants to work part time. But that's like, you're a part time nurse practitioner. That's weird. Yeah. No, I agree. It's super weird. So she starts getting angry at work and she's taking her emotions out at at home on Jimmy and the kids, especially Drew. Like she singles this little boy out and just is not nice to him. What a bitch. She stops having sex with Jimmy and is constantly complaining about the kids and the house and just, I mean, is an angry person. Even Chili's mom notices how much harder she is on Drew than the rest of the kids. And at the same time, she kind of becomes obsessive about cleaning the house. Like oh, everything has is to be spotless. this the medical oddity? Um, the OCD-ness? No. Oh. <laughs> she starts getting in trouble at work um, for in- insubordination. Did mm-hmm. I say that right? Insubordination. Yeah, insubordination. Um, because she's taking too many vacation days. Oh, that's why. Not because they told her to stop doing backflips down the hall? Mm-mm. Okay. No. She can stop. still do that. She can still do high kicks. Still flirt with everybody. Uh-huh. But, okay. But stop sure. taking vacation days. I mean, she's already barely working there. That would be a, a deal breaker, I would think. Well, I'm surprised that they didn't fire her. Yeah. I'm like, why is she still being employed? Right. And I'm wondering if maybe there weren't a lot of applicants for her position. Are they in like some weird small town? Because it is weird that like all of these four people who were previously married still worked at the same hospital. And their kids go to the same schools. It must be like a little bitty town in West Virginia. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't look up the population. So Jimmy, he's like, I'm kind of done with this whole hospital stuff myself. And I think I'm going to go into business for myself. And um, he starts looking... Oh, I'm cross that out. Okay, so the business that Jimmy was going to purchase, remember he was like kind of taking over this. Yeah, like, like medical, medical supplies. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's like, okay, these people are never going to retire. I'm oh. just working for them and this is not what I want. So he actually decides to start up his own company okay. called Mountaineer cool. Home Medical, which again is a medical supply. So they deliver medical supplies to people that are in need of it and can't necessarily make it to the hospital. Oh, sure. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know, toilets and breathing apparatuses. Um, colonos. Wait, no, what are those things called? The bags? Um, oh, I'll just edit that out. I don't know what they're called. Never mind. Poop bags. Yes. That's not the technical term. No. It's going to bug me. Oh, well. It's like on the tip of my tongue. Where I don't really want a poop bag. Coloscomy? Coloscomy. Coloscopy? No. Mm, you're, you're mixing um, colostrum with colonoscopy. <laughs> okay. Um, he also specializes in respiratory and th- sleep therapy for patients. Oh, that's nice. I want some sleep therapy. I just want some sleep. At that same time, there's someone from a life insurance policy that approaches Jimmy. They recommend that he take out a $1 million policy on himself. On himself? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Interesting. And Jimmy's like, mm, I think 500000 would be enough. Okay. And he calls his dad because I guess his dad was like really good about insurance and life policies and stuff sure. and his dad's like why don't you just get 250,000 and then take the accidental clause since you're only 33 years old if you're gonna die it's gonna be because of an accident not just because he's of only 33 years old and he's been like married twice and has four kids weird and like major career Oh, thanks. Just, thanks for that. Does it make you feel like yeah, less of a person? It totally does. Well, maybe that's how they do it in West Virginia. I guess so. I think they start them young out there. I think so, too. And so Jimmy, he talks this over with Shelly, and she's like, nope, you need to get the $500,000 policy. So he gets his physical, and he actually takes Shelly with him to sign the papers, for the $500,000 policy, and they also decide to get 250000 on Shelly because she already had, like, a $300,000 policy through her work. Okay. So they've got big a lot of life insurance policies. A lot of details. <laughs> keep keep t- keeping track here. All of this better matter. <laughs> like, all of it. Like, uh, the stupid football team and the teats wherever the hell they went like renee the kindergarten friend yeah all Mm -hmm. of this better matter because we're we're pretty heavily invested now (laughs) this better be good so shelly is told again by her supervisor at work that she needs to go full-time because the pediatric NICU is gonna double in size with this new like hospital addition she throws this total fit and she's actually reported, finally, um, to her nursing supervisor. And um, I guess there's patients that need to be cared for. And if she just didn't want to do it, then she needed to just leave. Why do we know why she only wants to work two days a week? Like, what does she have going on the rest of the she time? She just doesn't want to work. She's just... Well, yeah, you and me both. But, like, you kind of got to. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess she just thinks that Jimmy should be supporting her. So she just doesn't want to work full time. Um, she doesn't want to work part time. She just doesn't want to work, period. She again goes into this depression and anger at home. And the lack of physical contact with Jimmy just totally increases. She's getting more and more pressure at work to make a final decision. And then she just one day comes to Jimmy and she's like, hey, let's have another baby. What the hell? What, Jim- what is her medical oddity? I need to know. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy, he's like, hey, do you remember that I got a vasectomy during my last marriage? Oh, well. And she's like pressuring him in. To do what? To reverse it. Oh. And he's like, no, four kids are plenty. We don't need any more babies. And he also was, like, kind of thinking about it. He's like, okay, you and I don't have sex, so how is that baby going to get made if we're not even, like, touching each other? Yeah, that he does have a point there. So he kind of thinks, like, maybe she just wants this baby so she can stay home with it and not have to work. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Ch- Jimmy's trying to give her some space and support, and he often calls this friend of his just to pray with, and he's trying to talk out like how to be a good husband for her and he buys her this white ford expedition as a five-year anniversary gift wow jimmy's business is now just booming 
but his home life is just getting worse and worse. And Bobby and Kelly Teets, remember the Teets? I do remember the Teets. <laughs> they start carpooling with Jimmy and Shelly's kids. Okay. And they're just always together. Like the Teets and the Michaels, they go on shopping trips together. They go to football games together. They have barbecues together. They're hanging out all the time. And that life just kind of seems to be going well. And as the pressure of Shelly's work starts to get to her, she's like, hey, maybe I can just start my own business and work from home. Oh. So she wants to start this embroidery business. with. Mm -hmm. So embroidery, like. I know what embroidery is. (laughs) But she went back to school to get. Her She's master's. a nurse practitioner. Yeah, like what the hell? No, she wants to start an embroidery business with the teats. And they know, like, because the the boys had been coaching football and Shelly had been coaching cheer, so they know all these teams and sports groups, and they're like, oh, we can have an instant, like, clientele embroidering, you know, shirts and jackets can't. and stuff. That's ridiculous. Yeah, they want to do logos on the uniforms, and they're going to work out of Shelly and Jimmy's basement. Oh, great That's plan. where they're going to start it. And Jimmy's just, you know, he's working so much, and Kelly, um, that's... Teats. Teats, yeah. She doesn't have a lot of extra time, so they decide that Shelly and Bobby are going to do oh, most gonna of the work. she's going to start banging Bobby Teats, isn't she? Bobby Teats. Um... And Jimmy's just going to, like, kind of support the business partially financially. Jimmy's getting screwed. Or not. Oh, yeah, good point. But then again, it's kind of karma. He was asking for it. Because he was screwing Shelly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Shelly starts researching. <laughs> what? It's hard for me to say this without laughing. What? Tell me. Shelly starts researching embroidery machines. Oh, And she finds this company that was offering a class on how to start your own embroidery business. This sound, you know what this is? (laughs) This is the um, cricket or the silhouette Uh of the 90s. That's what this is. How many people do you know who bought that and that they were like, I'm going to start a business? My vinyl business is just going to take off. I'm going to make all of the tumblers and all of the signs. the glitter tumblers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what it is. It is. Embroidery is the cricket of the 90s. That's a very good comparison. So she finds this company and they're giving this class on how to start your embroidery business and they also sell embroidery machines. Convenient. Super. It's a two-day convention in Chicago and they can learn about starting their company and then when they learn everything, they can buy one of the machines. Okay, so visualize in your head a map of the United States. I can't do that. So you do okay. that. Yeah. Where's West Virginia? Like uh, um east-ish, middle-ish, I think. Okay, where's Chicago? In Illinois. How far apart are those two? I don't know. It's north of West Virginia. Like far, like many states? I don't don't ask me these things. A few. I'm glad. I'm, I'm gonna go with a few. Okay. I'm, well, I'm just glad that I am not the only one that doesn't know. It's like know. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's approximately three states away. Okay. Well, 
Shelly books a flight and a room for her and Bobby, and they prepare for their 90-minute flight. Oh, shit. Well, but that's the thing, though. We live in California, and it's really big. The further you go east, the smaller those things get. Well, you know? And there was also a time change, which wouldn't really affect the flight time. No, not the flight time. I why I brought that up. Oh. But, yeah, it was a 90-minute flight. Wow, that's quick. Um, So Bobby, he's... Um, starts working for Jimmy. Also, why do we need to know that it was a 90-minute flight? I just thought it was interesting because I don't really know where those two So many are. details. This is a very detailed case. We need to get, actually get to the case. It's coming. Eventually. We're getting there. And so <sighs> Bobby, he didn't heist. really, he didn't ever graduated from high school. He's a high school dropout. So he didn't really have the best of jobs. But because he has such a good friend in Jimmy, Jimmy actually gives him a job as a delivery person for his medical supply company. Well, isn't that nice? Isn't it? Like he's making some good money. Um, he's working for his best friend. And he figures like, hey, since I'm going to be working for the Michael family, Shelly and I can work on the embroidery business frequently as well so he starts working for jimmy on a monday but that first thursday he's already taking time off of work to go to the embroidery seminar so during that 90 minute flight that we already figured out to chicago bobby and shelly start flirting with each other and holding hands of course they do i called it i knew it you did you totally did after they landed, Shelly calls her kindergarten friend Renee again. And she tells her about the embroidery business and that she's with this guy named Bobby Teets. And <laughs> she laughed hysterically. And Renee is hearing about the embroidery business and Bobby Teets for the very first time on this phone call. So when they arrive at their hotel, um, it actually took like an hour or two for them to get from the shuttle at the airport to their hotel. Um, they're seen snuggling up on each other in surveillance cameras and kissing and flirting on, as, at the check-in desk, desk. Wow, that's messed up. Before they go to the seminar, um, they're again flirting. Um, and after it's over, they go back to the hotel room and have some drinks and end up having sex on the bed. So... Are you saying so detailed? Why do we need to know? I just want to tell you if they had sex on the couch, would you have let us know that it happened on the couch, not on the bed? I would have, but this was a king size bed. Okay. And it was only one room. So she booked it knowing knowing that it was only one bed. I mean, like, there's a level of like. I don't know, evil, when it's like, okay, yeah, you're cheating on your husband, whatever, you've done it before, no big deal. Like, he probably expects it at this point. But, like, you're cheating on him with, like, his good friend, and his good friend just got a job. Like, they're both, like, a special kind of evil. Well, not only that, but you're cheating on your husband with your best friend's husband. Husband. While they're supporting your ridiculous business idea embroidery wow mm-hmm. so the two never told their spouses about the affair obviously and they acted like nothing happened they both continued their friendship with the spouses and continued just to sneak around seeing each other and uh, they were 
even sleeping together in Jimmy and Shelly's bed one day when both of their daughters were in the room next door. Creepy. Nobody wants to know that. Why do we know that? Why is this like written somewhere where you looked it up and were able to recite it now? Like that's why do we why is this out there? It's a really good story. But like who is documenting these people's lives? Who's telling this story? Like, who told them, oh, by the way, you know, the daughter's in the next room. You'll know. You'll figure out why there's so many teachers. Oh, man. So the two couples would even have dinners together and attend functions as groups. And Jimmy, maybe they're swingers. Did, did no, that come into I totally thought that, too. And I'm like, maybe okay, they're all cool. cool with it. A hundred percent. I totally thought the same Is thing. Is that the case? Nope. No. Ugh. If that was the case, I would, you know, it would be more understandable it's not so jimmy he's a hunter and he loves hunting and he's going to go on a hunting trip on the day of first day of like deer hunting season with his dad this is never a good start to a story well (laughs) not that this is the start to the story (laughs) how long has it been um but jimmy's dad notes that he just seems a lot happier and in a better mood than he had been in since his dad had seen him in the past did he hook up with what's her name tilly yeah no Mm. but he should have yeah um it was rainy day and they had spent the whole day hiking and hunting and jimmy shot a deer and he just, you know, had a very exhausting day, early start in the morning, but he made sure to leave to make it home in time to coach his son's practice. On his way home, he makes calls to people at work, and he's confirming details about setting up a apnea monitoring machine for a newborn baby the following day. Well, that's kind of sad. Also, yeah. um, what year are we in now where he's making phone calls on his way home? I don't know. Okay. But he's got a cell phone. And it's not like a car phone. It's like a cell phone. Okay. Like you could put it in your pocket type cell phone. Now, was it his first cell phone that he ever had? When did he get his first cell phone? What brand was it? Was it Does Nokia? Does he have one of those custom like faceplate things? Where you can change you can, the colors? Yeah. Was that a thing? Or was it a flip phone? I, I mean, I feel like these are important things that we need to know. This, these are details. So by the time he finally makes it home after coaching, he's like super exhausted. He goes to his house and Shelly was still out. She's coaching, cheer, not, not sure banging the is. neighbor. And he hangs out on the couch for a while just watching football. And Shelly comes home, uh, or I'm sorry, Shelly was supposed to return to work the next day um, after being out for three weeks. She had fallen down at work and hurt her knee, so she got like three weeks off. Because, you know, she doesn't want to work. And when she gets home, she talks with Jimmy for a while about the new embroidery machine they were getting, about his hunting trip and the team practices. She then went out and checked some emails and watched a cheer DVD competition that she had just coached at. And that would be the last night that Jimmy Michael would be alive. Uh Uh-oh. So on the morning of November 29th, Shelly woke up at 5.15 a.m. She kisses her husband, gets ready for work, and noticed that an iron was on on the ironing board. 
At 6.30 a.m., Shelley showed up half an hour early for her 10-hour shift at Ruby Memorial Hospital. She made sure that she was saying hello and being seen by everyone after being gone for three weeks. Uh-oh. On her first day back, she was up to her old tricks of flirting with the staff and grabbing asses. Ugh. She calls Jimmy at one point and left a message on his phone. Okay. And this is from his voicemail. Creating alibi. Quote, hey, it's just me. I was hoping I could catch you before you left. I, um, I mean, I wanted to see what was on the lunch menu for the kids because Kylie ate hot lunch yesterday and didn't really like it. And I was like, wondering if you could pack them something. So if you haven't left yet, call me back. A few minutes later, she called the house phone but got a busy signal. She then called Bobby Teets asking about a tax form she needed from him for the embroidery business. He told her that he'd drop it off later that day. So Jimmy was supposed to be at work to take care of that newborn baby that needed the apnea monitoring machine. Yeah, that's important. Um, yeah. And he was like always on time, if not early for work. Poor and if Jimmy. he was going to be late, he'd call and let someone know. Coworkers um, were wondering like where he was because it was so strange that he wasn't there. And by 8 a.m., people were starting to really worry since the baby needed that machine. Yeah. So Bobby Teets calls him because, you know, Bobby's working for him. Yeah, calls and him banging his wife. And multiple minor details. Um, to see where he was, and he couldn't get a hold of him either. The front desk lady was, like, getting more and more concerned and called Bobby to see if he'd heard anything from Jimmy. Um, Bobby was out delivering medical supplies and had been calling Jimmy's cell phone and home phone, still with no answer. And since he was out, like, not too far from Jimmy's house, Bobby said he would drive by when he was done dropping stuff off and go check out to see if he was at home. So on the way to Jimmy's, Bobby called Shelly at the hospital to see if she had heard from him. And Shelly was paged, but I guess was like in the middle of rounds, so she couldn't come and answer the phone. Two utility workers were driving by Jimmy's home, and one of them noticed smoke coming out of a bedroom window. Uh-oh. They turned around and called 911. They pounded on the door and could hear smoke alarms going off. And then an, they, an off-duty fireman arrived to help out, because I guess like he maybe had like a emergency dispatch thing in his home like and a like scanner sort of yeah, thing. yeah and like yeah. heard it and he knew exactly where that was so the three men are now looking around to see if anyone was at the house but they couldn't see anything and this um off-duty fireman he looks at an upstairs window that he described as limousine black and shortly thereafter the window shattered as flashover occurred and do you know what flashover is? Have you heard of that term um, before? It sounds bad. Yeah, it's, it's not a good term. Like probably something that involves fire getting really hot and breaking windows. I mean, you're pretty close. Okay. So this is like a definition that I got from the FEMA website. Oh, that's why we're talking about FEMA. <laughs> so flashover is a thermally driven event during which 
every combustible surface exposed Holy to thermal radiation in a compartment or enclosed space rapidly and simultaneously ignites. So really, 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 really hot. Um, flashover normally occurs when the upper portion of the compartment reaches a temperature of approximately 1,100 degrees Fahrenheit for ordinary combustibles. Okay, so something that can make fire really hot and occurred just, there. That's yeah. my intelligent reaction to that <laughs> statement that you just gave me, but I think you know what I mean. Yeah, pretty much. Like not normal fire. No, not at all normal fire. So Bobby gets to the house and he sees that the house is on fire and he runs up to the firefighters and he's like, hey, Jimmy, the guy that lives in this house, he didn't show up for work today. He might be in there. And I'm trying to get a hold of his wife, but she's at work. And so he calls Kelly, his wife. And no, yeah, he calls Kelly to have her try to get a hold of Shelly. Awkward. Yeah. And they want to make sure that, like, the kids aren't in the home and they're like, where oh, is yeah. Jimmy? Because wasn't he going to, like, pack them lunch or something? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yikes. So, luckily, all four of the kids had stayed over at the other parents' home. Oh. So, they weren't at the house. Well, uh, then they can make the lunch. So, the whole lunch thing is a little weird that she was even calling Jimmy about packing the kids a lunch because they weren't even responsible for the kids that also, day. Also, you know what? Eat your hot lunch and like it. Yeah, I mean, if you don't like what what's served, then pack your own lunch. Try that one. I mean, that's what we had to do. Pretty much. So by the time the firefighters arrived and were working out to put the fire, Jimmy Teets also is, like, you know, freaking out, and he's, like, looking for his best friend, his boss, and the husband of the woman he's sleeping with. As soon as he sees the emergency vehicle... Just like this wave of guilt comes over him, thinking that Jimmy had found out about the fair and had done something like horrible. Mm. So he calls the people back at work and told them like, hey, I know why Jimmy's not there. It's because his house is on fire, but we still don't know where he is. Bobby runs to one of the firefighters and told him that, oh, I already said this, but Jimmy hadn't come to work and, like, look in the garage for his car because if the car is there, then there's a good chance he's in the house somewhere. Yeah, that's a pretty good indicator. So the two firefighters, like, to, like are they're searching, they see the car, and they now hear that there may be a person in the house, but since that upstairs house or room is so black and just combusted there's this thing where firefighters they like hold hands and they feel like like two of them like at a a time they feel the room like just trying to find a person oh creepy because they can't see it's so dark with steam and smoke and everything and they you they have to find like a point of reference to not get lost themselves in oh, the room. Wow! So there's a hole in the floor at this point, and oh, they're that's just not a good sign. No, it just was burning through. But there's you know that's their job is to look for people. So they're holding hands, feeling around, and they come upon the bed, and on the bed they feel a body. I, I guess at this point the fire's out, but it's just. Kind of, I mean, it's it's. There's still people spraying, but these two firefighters are looking for a body because they just heard there's like a person missing that is quite possibly in the home. Ugh, how like sad, but also really gross. Um. Yeah. 
they find this body and they couldn't really tell it was a body because it was so badly burned. So this house fire now is not just a house fire. It's actually a death investigation because there is a body. Kelly finally gets a hold of Shelly by having her emergency paged at the hospital. She tells her that her house is on fire and that Jimmy is missing. And Shelly first goes like, oh, yeah, whatever. Wait, but what? Like, she didn't believe it. She thought that Kelly was, like, playing oh, a joke on like her. Oh, like, she was like, hey, guess what? You know how I can't have any more vacation days? Mm-hmm. Oh. It's, it's yeah, it's super, <laughs> she thinks, funny. But once she's finally convinced, she says, like, oh, my God. She hangs up and goes to her supervisor and explains that she needs to leave because her house is burning. And then later, like, the person that she tells this to says that Shelly told her this without very much emotion. She was, like, kind of matter of fact, like, hey, I need to go. Um, my house is on fire. Like, just not panicking her all, at all. Yeah, but I, you, you never know. Like, especially if you're just, like, in move mode. Like, I just need to go. Like, I don't have time to give you any sort of emotion. I'm just going to tell you this is it and I'm out of here. Well, you and know? Maybe, yeah, maybe she's processing it. Like, yeah, oh, that's what true. is happening? So Shelly goes into her office. She calls Jimmy and leaves this message. It says, Jimmy, where are you? I just heard our house is on fire. Where are you? Call me back. She then goes to another supervisor and says, I need to leave. My house is on fire. Okay. And we're stopping there. Oh. I need to leave. My house is on fire. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a lot to process. I mean... Do you want to know more about her first grade report card? No, I really, really don't. That's a lot of detail. I told you it was a lot of details. I told you it was a lot of characters, but... I'm still waiting for the medical oddity. Well, the medical oddity kind of plays into that they both worked for a hospital. He was a respiratory therapist. She was a RN or medical... So are we having medical influence in this... We're clear, having clearly a murder here. Well, and there's going to be some medical oddities to do with the body that was found. Oh. <gasps> what? Spontaneous combustion. That was episode 23. Do you want some more wine? No, thank you. Okay. Do you want to do a last thought and a shot for me? Oh, sure. Okay. So I did a little quick Google search on... The snake, the little sneaky snake. Oh, that crawled up my leg? That crawled up your leg. And peed or pooped or barfed or something on me? So the snake that I was thinking of is not called a whip snake. It's called a striped racer snake. And the striped racer, formerly called, oh, formerly called the California whip snake. Look at you knowing so stuff about So I did know snakes. things about little sneaky snakes. Um, it ranges in length from 30 to 60 inches it enjoys snacks of i don't know i was gonna go into some crazy detail wait I, stop I, what 30 to 60 inches yes 30 is like that sure that's it's pretty really yeah long. but they're like long and skinny okay um it has like a, a stripe down on its back anyway in any way anyway Anyhow, um, turns out that all snakes, like, will climb things. That's, oh. like, a thing that snakes do. Okay. So it could have been any snake. So I scared it and it climbed me. 
Yeah, but a California whip snake. I was right. California whip snake. That's what I'm saying it is because those ones move really fast. Yeah, I couldn't tell you why it would pee on you. <laughs> uh, it's a fast-moving, active forager, commonly moves over and through brush and trees to avoid predation and to capture prey. The California whip snake has been observed moving into the top of shrub plants after emerging from a nightly retreat to gain access to direct sunlight. And my page went away. The end. Good stray. Thanks. California whip snake. I'm going with that. Yeah. I don't know. That's like one of the four snakes I can name. So. A rattlesnake? Uh-huh. Gopher snake. King snake. King snake. Okay, well, that's my story for tonight. We'll finish part two next time. Okay. Um, so you get another week off. Cool. Do you have any predictions? Oh, well, I first went with spontaneous combustion, but you threw that one out. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm leaning to our favorite attention whore. Uh, what's your name? Yeah. Shelly. Shelly. I feel like Shelly is definitely a contender. Um, probably did something. But I don't know. Do you know that it was really, really hard for me? I I had to call her Shelly throughout this story because if I went with her formal name, Michelle, and then her last name, Michael, it like totally messed with my head reading that. Like Michelle Michael. Oh, yeah. Because it's just. They're like very a, similar. Yeah. Moving a couple letters around. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's that's what I feel like you're leading up to is that she did something sketchy. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Well, we'll find out. Okay. Until then, don't forget to be a fountain. And not a drain. Bye. Bye. Hit it. <laughs>